Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called The Art of War. The Art of War, brothers and sisters. We live in a world saturated with sin. Today, we will expose the worldly seductions used by the enemy. Why? Because every war is won before it is fought, brothers and sisters. There's a piece of literature, an ancient piece of literature. It's called the art of war, brothers and sisters. The art of war. And there was a key phrase that was in that piece of literature. And it read, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Now that piece of literature is named The Art of War by Sun Tzu, brothers and sisters. So in this book, it tells you that if you do not learn your enemy, you will succumb in many battles. You will lose many battles. Now, if you learn yourself in conjunction with your enemy's tendencies, you will not suffer defeat. So what we plan on doing today, brothers and sisters, is utilizing biblical literature to uncover, to reveal the tendencies and tactics of our enemy, brothers and sisters. We will learn about our enemy in order to do what? In order to defend ourselves, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Joshua go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Least Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Could you read that one more time, brother? Least Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. So look at that. It's telling you Satan will have an advantage over us if we're ignorant of his devices, brothers and sisters. So if we're going to understand temptation, we must first know the tempter, brothers and sisters. We must be aware of our enemy's weapons and tactics because our spiritual life depends on it. Satan gets the, the advantage over me and you. If we're ignorant of his methods, brothers and sisters. So today we're going to expose our enemy. Because he uses the same tactics over and over, brothers and sisters. In boxing or even football, you study your opponent. What does your opponent do best? What is my weakness? Those are the things that I operate on. Those are the things that I focus on. This is high level warfare, spiritual warfare, brothers and sisters. The battles are won before the physical engagement, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. We're going to stay in the same book. We're going to have Brother Joshua just read the 11th chapter in the third verse. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I fear, least by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through, through his sub subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. From the what, brother? From the simplicity that is in Christ. So look at that. Paul is saying, I fear that Satan will beguile you the same way he beguiled Eve. Trickster. Bamboozle. 
brothers and sisters. It's very dangerous to be ignorant of his strategies and methods for leading us astray. We're going to have Brother Joshua read that one more time. Verse 3, But I fear, least by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So look at that. It's, it's magnifying a certain battle, one of the first battles, brothers and sisters, and that was the serpent and that was Eve, brothers and sisters. So according to this literature here, we can gain much insight in the nature of temptation from the very first temptation, brothers and sisters. The serpent in Eve. Why? Because Paul said, I fear through his deceptions, he will be able to subdue us. Brothers and sisters. So we're going to uncover. We're going to uncover his tactics, brothers and sisters. He will never be able to deceive us if we uncover his methods, brothers and sisters. And therefore, we can screen, you know, what transpires in life based on what we're learning here today to know. Is this above water? Is this righteous or is this evil? Because sometimes Satan knows how to make evil look righteous, brothers and sisters. We're going to find that out. We're going to go to Genesis. We're going to have Brother Joshua go all the way back to the first book. We're going to read Genesis chapter 3 and verse, let's see. Let's start at, let's start at verse 6, brothers and sisters. This is as Satan or Lucifer or the serpent is looking to coerce Eve into giving up her rulership, brothers and sisters. Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof. She did what? She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So, let's stop there, brothers and sisters. Examine this closely. We all know the story, brothers and sisters, but we have to point out certain things within these, within the literature so we can be able to catch him. Because he's very subtle. He's very crafty, brothers and sisters. We're reading the introduction of temptation through the lust of the eyes, brothers and sisters. Sin entered the world through the eyes. We're going to show you how. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. When what, brother? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. When she saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And what, brother? And that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. Now that's it right there, brothers and sisters. The food was, it said it was good for food. She saw it was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. And what? It was a tree to be desired. So these three references concern the appeal of its beauty, brothers and sisters. See, so now we're learning. We're learning that temptation first came through the eyes, brothers and sisters. We're going to have him read that one more time. Verse 6. <clears throat> and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And what? And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they 
they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So according to this text, brothers and sisters, it tells you that the tree was visually attractive, brothers and sisters. Here we're learning from the temptation of Eve, the subtle manipulation of the gateway of the eyes. Now, verse 7 said, and the eyes of them both were open. So what is this saying? Because we know their eyes were already open. He's talking about their conscience. Their conscience was now open, brothers and sisters. See, as your father, the Most High, who is our father, he doesn't want you conscience of certain things, brothers and sisters. See, your mama taught you that. Your daddy taught you that. Don't be watching certain things. See, you don't know what it's like to get high until you do it, brothers and sisters. You don't know what it's like to get drunk until you do it, brothers and sisters. So he's telling you, protect your conscience. I don't want you to be exposed to certain things. So we have to understand. He's operating the most high. He wants to protect us, brothers and sisters. He wants to protect us. So we're showing you what? We're showing you that the temptation came through the eyes. When she saw the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, desired to be make, to make one wise. See, all of that, your senses, your senses, your number one sense that Satan will utilize is your sight, brothers and sisters. Let's magnify that, brother Joshua. Let's go to the New Testament, brother. Let's go to the gospel. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Mark 9 and 47, brother. What does that say? Mark nine verse forty seven, and if thine eye be offend, and if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. What did that say? And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye. With what? It is better for you. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes that can be cast into hellfire. Mm. So look, this is a warning against using our eyes for lustful purposes, brothers and sisters. And these astonishing metaphors, it, it stresses the importance. Look at it closely, brothers and sisters. I know it's a little, you know, it's a little vulgar, but th that's stressing the importance. We're going to have Brother Joshua read that again. Mark 9, verse 47. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. So look at that. Satan uses external attraction to produce the lust of the eyes. Christ is saying, listen, it's better for you to take your eye out, throw it away, <laughs> and get into the kingdom of heaven, rather than go to hell with two eyes, brothers and sisters. So Christ's prescribed remedy for lust to protect us from desiring things is what? To guard your eyes, brothers and sisters. This is a radical hyperbole to wake us from spiritual complacency. This is how important it was, brothers and sisters. See? Because it usually starts with the looking. I've heard brothers tell me, you know, well, I just can't help to look. You know? Looking can't be wrong. Really? What, what happens after you look, though? That's the thing. Because that's where it starts, brothers and sisters. And see, Satan understood this. This is why they had the television. Because they put all of these... Moving pictures on the television that introduce your conscience to certain things. You ever notice how anytime there's some drug abuse on TV, it looks like they're having fun? <laughs> That's purpose, brothers and sisters. When they're drinking, they're drunk and partying, it seems like they're having so much fun. 
Exactly. See, Satan understand. He wants to show you pleasure, brothers and sisters. And then you'll go experience it for yourself. See? Same thing with uh, por uh, pornographic, you know, movies and pictures and, and, and all that stuff, brothers and sisters. Who in the right mind would point a camera at something like that and then say, well, yeah, I want other people to watch it. Exactly, because watching it provokes a certain response from your body, brothers and sisters, and your mind. So we wanted to show you, Christ said, if your eye offends you, throw it away. Because it's better to get into heaven with one eye than to have both in hell, brothers and sisters. And I paraphrase that, but... Brother Joshua, to magnify that point, let's go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Psalms 119, chapter 119, and verse 37. What does that say, brother? Psalms 119, verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. What did he say, dude, brother? Verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And quicken thou me in the way. So David prays for restraining grace. Brothers and sisters. He said make my eyes not to pass. Or when, when they do pass. Not to behold the evil. Not to be conscious of the evil. See. So David understood the importance. He asked for. The most high to guard his eyes. Turn away my eyes from looking at anything sinful. Brothers and sisters. That's, this is the step that we want to be on, brothers and sisters. This is the step. Could you read that one more time, brother, before we move on? Verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. So he's, he's asking for protection from the things that would do what, brothers and sisters? The things that would obstruct his progress heavenward, brothers and sisters. Turn away my eyes from seeing certain things. Because you can't want it unless you've seen it before, brothers and sisters. That's the key. So Satan uses what? Our first tactic that he uses is the eyes, brothers and sisters. It's the eyes. So we're going to be, in, you know, we're going to deal with that first. We want to show our brothers and sisters what Satan will use. And of course, when the summer, you know, summer comes, sisters wear, you know, sundresses and tight stuff and all this stuff. And Satan understands this. This is why he's made this to society, brothers and sisters. And, you know, he's also made sisters believe that that's, that's showing your freedom. That, that's you uh, showing your strength, that you can do all this. Satan understands these scriptures. The spirit of lust coming through the eyes, brothers and sisters, first. To magnify that, let's we'll stay in Psalms, Brother Joshua. We'll do Psalms 101 and 3. Psalms 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will what? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So it urges, he urges... You know, <laughs> urges us to protect our eyes, metaphorically here, what you're seeing, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Mm -hmm. I hate the work of them that turn aside. 
it shall not cleave to me. So the psalmist promises to avert his eyes from things he ought not to be gazing upon. I will set no wicked thing above my eyes. Why? Because he understand how temptation works, brothers and sisters. See? If you cannot look, you've already overcome. You've already overcome. But the second you start looking and then double looking, oh boy, you're on the edge of the cliff. You're on the edge of the cliff, brothers and sisters. The devil's main objective is to bombard a person with visual stimulation, brothers and sisters. That's why you notice in America, especially in New York, it's nothing but advertisement, billboards, advertisement, lights. That's purpose, brothers and sisters, to grab your attention. Same thing with these commercials, these ads, even on YouTube. Why? <laughs> They're trying to provoke a certain response, brothers and sisters. They're trying to provoke a certain response from you. So here the psalmist is telling us, don't put anything that's wicked or questionable before your eyes. That's the first way to fight Satan. Because why? Eve said it was pleasant to the eyes. She, she was visually pleased. And at that point, Satan knew he had her. Because we're not saying that certain things don't look good. It may look good, brother, but... <laughs> What is it going to lead to? What is it going to lead to? Well, yeah, brother, you know, I just have to admire a beautiful woman. No, you don't, brother. No, you don't. You have to admire her behind? You, I mean, you don't have to admire every beautiful woman. Yeah, God created a lot of beautiful people. But you don't have to pursue them with your eyes. Brother Joshua, let's go to Proverbs, brother. Proverbs. 27 and 20, the art of war. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The eyes is used here as the organ which arouses lust. Brothers and sisters, it magnifies the spirit of unsatisfied desire. Listen to it again. Verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. <laughs> Hell is never full, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the eyes of man are never satisfied. There is no end to the lust of the flesh, brothers and sisters. It doesn't end. So the restless craving which grows the more it's fed. That's what it is. That's what the lust is. See? <laughs> you just look at... I mean, the brothers who, who are watching these, uh, you know, these rated E or rated X films and stuff, do you just watch it one time or do you go back? Are you satisfied by seeing it one time? No, you're not. You're not. So you have to understand that your eyes will never be satisfied. Therefore, you have to make a concerted effort. Because the wicked heart that's within me, within all of us, it always wants more. It always wants more. And it's never fulfilled. Maybe that second in which you do it, then, you know, you may be satisfied. But, you know, tomorrow, the next day, the next week, here you go again. Down the same trail. So Satan understands this. Satan understands that a man's eyes is never satisfied. That's why he keeps coming out with new Jordans. That's why he keep coming out with new movies and new cars every year, new phones, whatever it is, new Xbox and, 
and, and you know, all this stuff. <laughs> you got one already, but it's a new one. He understand that. Many of us have three, four, five TVs in our house. Why? I mean, how many can you watch? <laughs> See, Satan understand this. And so do the advertisers. They understand that no much, no more, no, no matter rather how much you have, there's an insatiable appetite within you, brothers and sisters. See, Satan knows us very well. That's why we're going to get to know him today. He will never pull this garbage over on us again. Brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, let's go to um let's go to Proverbs twenty-three and twenty-six. Let's see what we can find here. Proverbs twenty-three, verse twenty-six. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse twenty-six. My son. Give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Look at that. The entrance into their heart is the eyes, brothers and sisters. Our eyes use more brain power than any other part of our body, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Influence enter the brain through the eyes. That's why he says, son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. There's a connection between the eyes and the heart, brothers and sisters. And if we fail to guard our eyes, what will happen? We fail to guard our heart, brothers and sisters. See? And see, that's the danger of the Facebooks, the, the, the Twitters, the, the TikTok, and uh, the Instagram. That's the danger. <laughs> see? And a lot of people can't handle it, brothers and sisters. They can't handle it. Because here you are at home at midnight, you know, lonely at your house, and you got the world in your palm. Just pictures. Just pictures. See? You have to be careful with this social media, brothers and sisters. Be very, very careful. Because Satan understands. He understands. That's where the insecurity comes from, from what you're seeing. That's where the lust comes from, what you're seeing. That's where your comparison comes from. You're comparing yourself to a brother that live in Dubai or something. Or a sister that live in Florida somewhere, based on what you're seeing. Brothers and sisters, guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Brothers and sisters, the scriptures that we have, we've gone over as of now, it showed you that Satan first used temptation on Eve through the lust of her eyes. Brothers and sisters, and this is not the first or last time that he would, he would tempt Adam and Eve. So now we're going to go into the pseudepigraphal work, the first book of Adam and Eve, brothers and sisters, which is in the pseudepigrapha of the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. The very first book is called the first book of Adam and Eve, which is more detailed of what else transpired during that time, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you Satan kept coming, brothers and sisters. He kept coming even after he got them to fall. We're going to show you. Listen closely. We're at the first book of Adam and Eve, chapter 72, 1 through 13. I encourage brothers and sisters, if you're going to read the first book of Adam and Eve, the first book of Adam and Eve, get the translation by R.H. Charles, brothers and sisters. It's authentic. It's valid, brothers and sisters. I would encourage you, um, if you've been with the church for a while, don't go into these books if you're still eating pork and stuff, because you're still at the beginning. But if you've been with us for a while... You know, um, and you're looking for something to help you stimulate study. 
the first book of Adam and Eve, brothers and sisters, is an extraordinary record. I encourage you to check that out. Here we are, Brother Joshua, Adam and Eve, the book, first book of Adam and Eve, chapter 72, verse 1 through 13. Verse 1, then Satan and ten from his hosts transformed themselves into maidens, unlike any others in the whole world for, for grace. So now Satan, we understand that angels, brothers and sisters, can take many forms. It's telling you that Satan and ten of his hosts, they transform themselves into maidens, which, which is young women, brothers and sisters. Verse 2, they came up out of the river in presence of Adam and Eve, and they said among themselves, What did they say? Come, we will look at the faces of Adam and of Eve, who are the men upon earth, how beautiful they are, and how different is their look from our own faces. Then they came to Adam and Eve, and greeted them, and stood wondering at them. Now this is key, because there was no other people at this time, brothers and sisters. So Adam and Eve haven't seen any other people that look like them. Of course, you had the animals, that talking serpent, of course. Uh, but what they're seeing now is somebody who looks like them, like a human being, brothers and sisters. It's, it's, it's 11 angels made to look like young women. Verse 3, Adam and Eve looked at them also and wondered at their beauty and said, Is there then under us another world? Read three one more time, because look at what it says closely, brothers and sisters. Here he is coming through the eyes. What's that say, brother? Verse 3. Adam and Eve looked at them also. He, they did what? Adam and Eve looked at them also and wondered at their beauty and said, Is there then under us another world with such beautiful cre creatures as these in it? Now look at that. Here he goes. <laughs> Here he goes. Here they are admiring the beauty of these angels now. They're like, hold on, is there another world? Because we haven't seen any other people that look like us walking around. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Here Satan goes again. Remember, Lucifer was very smart. He had many angels underneath of him, brothers and sisters. So he understands the Bible. He understands temptation, brothers and sisters. Here he is coming through the eyes again. Through the beauty the same way he did with Eve. When Eve said it was pleasant for the eyes, the fruit, here he goes again, brothers and sisters. What's verse 4 say, brother? Verse 4. And those maidens said to Adam and Eve, Yes, indeed, we are an abundant creation. Then Adam said to them, But how do you multiply? Because he's like, how is there ten of y'all? I mean, how is this happening? And they answered him, We have husbands who wedded us, and we bear them children who grow up, and who in their turn wed and are wedded, and also bear children. And thus we increase. And if so be, O Adam, thou wilt not believe us. We will show thee our husbands and our children. Now here they are, Satan again, opening up their conscience to something the Most High have not given him at this time. The Most High know when you're ready for certain information, brothers and sisters. He understands when you're ready for certain information. Here they are. He said, well, how did you multiply? Oh, yeah. Well, we have husbands that wed us. And through that, you know, that 
marriage process, what it is according to the Bible, we had children. And then our children did the same exact thing. Now, this is none of this is true because these are this is Satan here, brothers and sisters, taking the form of beautiful young women. Can you read verse six one more time, brother? Verse six. And they answered him, we have husbands who wedded us and we bear them children who grow up and who in their turn wed and are wedded and also bear children. And thus we increase. And if so be, O Adam, thou wilt not believe us. We will show thee our husbands and our children. Here they go again, using the eyes. He said, well, listen, if you don't believe us, we'll show you our husbands and children, which are not real. These are more angels, brothers and sisters, to show you. He will continue to play on the sense of your sight. Then they shouted over the river as if to call their husbands and their children, who came up from the river, men and children, and every one came to his wife, his children being with him. But when Adam and Eve saw them, they stood dumb and wondered at them. Then they said to Adam and Eve, You see our husbands and our children, wed Eve as we wed our wives, and you shall have children the same as we. This was a device of Satan to deceive Adam. This was what, brother? This was a device of Satan to deceive Adam. Now, here it is. He's saying, listen, lay down with them. Because according to the Bible, when you lay down, you have, you come to a agreement, brothers and sisters, a covenant under the Most High God, and you lay down, that's a responsibility of married people, of a, a covenant, brothers and sisters. You don't just lay down with anyone and then move on, you know, to, to a different person tomorrow. If you lay down with a person, you are now responsible to the Most High and to that person to treat him like you got a ring on your finger or like you've signed the documents, brothers and sisters. So they're telling you, do what we did. We slept with these our husbands, and that's how we had these children. They're telling them to do the same exact thing. He's never seen this. He doesn't even know what sex is, brothers and sisters. Could you read verse 9, brother? Verse 9. Then they said to Adam and Eve, You see our husbands and our children, wed Eve as we wed our wives, and you shall have children the same as we. This was a device of Satan to deceive Adam. To show you Satan kept trying, brothers and sisters. Satan also thought within himself, God at first commanded Adam concerning the fruit of the tree, saying to him, Eat not of it, else of death thou shalt die. But Adam ate of it, and yet God did not kill him. He only decreed upon him death, and plagues and trials, until the day he shall come out of his body. See, so he wasn't content. He was saying, he told Adam and Eve, if they ate this, they would die. But he didn't kill them right away. He just put them through trials and plagues as long as they, you know, as long as they're living. See, Satan wasn't happy with that, brothers and sisters. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill all of us, brothers and sisters, because he's angry that he was created before man, but yet he was supposed to serve man. The angels are there to minister to you, to serve you, brothers and sisters. He had a problem with that. He's like, well, hold on. I'm beautiful. I'm in the heavens. I've been created way before man. And now you're telling me I have to serve them? No, no. So he had a problem with that, brothers and sisters. Read verse 11, brother. Verse 11. Now then, 
if I deceive him to do this thing and to wed Eve without God's commandment, God will kill him then. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. He's telling you, listen, if I can get him to have intercourse, conjugal relationship with Eve without God's commandment, the Most High will kill him. Now the question is, why would he kill him? Because when you took a wife, you had to go to the father, brothers and sisters. You couldn't just take, you couldn't just grip somebody's daughter up and then just go lay her down like that. It doesn't work like that, brothers and sisters. You would have to go to the father or to the man that's in our life that helped raise her because maybe the father's not there. And you would have to go through him. You couldn't subvert the father. Or the uncle or whoever it is that helped raise the girl. That's law. That's Hebrew law. So Adam couldn't do this without first going to his father and her father. See? And Satan understood this. He understood the law. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 12. Therefore did Satan work this apparition before Adam and Eve. Because he sought to kill him. And to make him disappear from the off the face of the earth. No, no. Read verse 11, please. Verse 11. Now, then, if I deceive him to do this thing and to wed Eve without God's commandment, God will kill him then. Therefore did Satan work this apparition before Adam and Eve because he sought to kill him and to make him disappear from off the face of the earth. See, he was looking to kill Adam and Eve. Meanwhile, the fire of sin came upon Adam. Read verse 13 again, brother. Meanwhile, the fire of sin came upon Adam, and he thought of committing sin. But he restrained himself, fearing least if he followed this advice of Satan, God would put him to death. Now look at this closely. It says, meanwhile, the fire of sin came upon Adam. He thought about committing the sin. Why? That thing rose up in his loins after they've now showed him. <laughs> with that pleasure that come with sleep looks like. See? And then told him, well, listen, listen, you can lay down and do what we did. Now his conscience is open and now he's inflamed, brothers and sisters. Now in his mind, he has the picture of what they've shown him, which was intercourse, which he doesn't know anything about at this time. They tell you, once you visualize it, at that point, the thought of committing sin comes. You see that, right, brothers and sisters? Could you read that again, brother? Verse 13. Meanwhile, the fire of sin came upon Adam, and he thought of committing sin, but he restrained himself, fearing least if he followed this advice of Satan, God would put him to death. God would put him to death. Just jump to... Um, let's jump to verse 17, brothers and sisters. Verse 17, And when the light arose, Adam said unto Eve, Arise, let us go below the mountain, where they brought us gold, and let us ask the Lord concerning this matter. So look at this. Remember, verse 13 said he's trying to restrain himself because he doesn't want God to kill him. Now he's telling his wife, listen, we have to go to the bottom of this mountain because they were in a cave. We got to pray to the Most High concerning this. Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 17, and when the light arose, Adam said unto Eve, Arise, let us go below the mountain, where they brought us gold, and let us ask the Lord concerning this matter. Then Eve said, 
What is the matter, O Adam? What did she say? Then Eve said, What is the matter, O Adam? Now, see, are you seeing this? Men, this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. You're supposed to be directing. You see that? She, she don't even know what we're praying about. He's like, well, hold on. Before we do this, I need to go ask my father. See, because you're the leader. So it doesn't matter what she wants to an extent until you get confirmation from the, the God that created both of you. And this is how it's supposed to be. What did Eve say, brother? Verse 18. Then Eve said, What is the matter, O Adam? And he answered her, That I may request the Lord to inform me about wedding thee. For I will not do it without his order. For what? For I will not do it without his order. Least he make us perish, thee and me. For those devils have set my heart on fire. For what? For those devils have set my heart on fire. With thoughts of what they showed us. With what? With thoughts of what they showed us. With what? With thoughts of what they showed us. What they showed us. In their sinful apparition. Now look at this. See, here it is. Now the man is like, well, hold on. Listen, wife. Listen, Eve, babe. I got to go pray about this because they have put something in my loins where I feel like I'm going to be overcome. She doesn't even really know what's going on, brothers and sisters. She's like, why do we need to pray about this? That's where the man come in and say, well, we already got kicked out of the garden. <laughs> I got to make sure I go to our father about this and have him sign off on it. See? That's what man is supposed to do. Man is not supposed to be manipulated through the woman. That's You can't handle a woman if you don't know how to do that. And every man is not in position to be able to handle that right now. But this is how things operate. If you, a woman, your wife, or whatever the case, wants certain things and you're not sure if it would be offensive to your God, then you have to let her know. Well, listen, let's pray about it together. Let's, let's at least consult with the God that created us first. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Adam said they set my heart on fire with what they showed me. Read verse 20, please, brother. 72 and 20. Verse 20. Then Eve said to Adam, Why need we go below the mountain? Let us rather stand up and pray in our cave to God to let us know whether this counsel is good or not. So now she had the direction. She's helping him out. She's giving him an idea. She's like, well, if that's what we're going to do, let's just do it right here. <laughs> See, once you give the woman the direction, now she can help you with it. <laughs> now she can help you curtail it a little bit. We'll say, well, hold on. Why don't we do it this way? See, since you gave me the instruction of what we're trying to do, uh, you know, how about we do it this way? See, but the man have to have strength enough to give the direction and not try to acquiesce to everything that his woman want him to do. Unless it's right. Read 21 more time, brother, please. Verse 20. Then Eve said to Adam, Why need we go below the mountain? Let us rather stand up and pray in our cave to God to let us know whether this counsel was good or not. Then Adam rose up in prayer and said, O God, thou knowest we transgressed against thee, and from the moment we transgressed, we were bereft, bereft of our bright nature, and our body became brutish, requiring food and drink, 
And with animal desires. With animal desires. Look at this, brothers and sisters. So now he's saying, now I, I have to eat. I have to drink. Now my flesh, I, I want to recreate now, procreate now. Verse 22. Command us, O God, not to give way to them without thy order. So I, I don't want to give way to my animal desires without your order. Least thou bring us to nothing. For if thou give us not the order, we shall be overpowered. And follow that advice of Satan, and thou will again make us perish. Look at this, brothers and sisters. He's saying, Father, I need you to sign off on this. Because if you don't sign off, we're going to be overcome and have to do it anyway. And I know I'm going to be in trouble. To show you through his sight now, he's telling the Most High, if, can you allow me to do this? Because if you say no, I will not be able to stop anyway. Are you seeing how powerful that is, brothers and sisters? And it was through the sight. It was through the sight where now he's gone to the father and saying, Father, can, will I be allowed to do this? Because even if you say no, I, I don't see how I would be able to not fulfill my flesh. To show you how serious it is, brothers and sisters. Read 22 one more time, brother. 22 through 24. Verse 22. Command us, O God. Not to give way to them without thy order, lest thou bring us to nothing. For if thou givest not the order, we shall be overpowered, and follow that advice of Satan, and thou wilt again make us perish. If not, then take our souls from us. He's saying if you won't allow us to, you know, have intercourse, then what? Then take our souls from us. Let us be rid of this animal lust, and if thou give us no order... Respecting this thing. So if you don't give me an answer right now. Then sever Eve from me. And me from her. And place e us each. Far away from the other. And place each of us. Far away from each other. To show you how powerful this lust was. Once he saw it brothers and sisters. He's saying father. If you don't allow me to do this kill me. Because there's no way that I'm going to be able to withstand. Or at least take her and put her on the other side of the of the world. That's the only way that I will be able to stand. To show you how powerful this was. See, Satan showed it to you first. He shows it to you first. And then he allowed the lust to come alive, brothers and sisters. Understanding, once you see it, it's almost impossible to not do it, brothers and sisters. What's verse 24 saying, brother? Verse 24, yet again, O God, when thou hast put us asunder from each other, the devils will deceive us with their apparitions and destroy our hearts and defile our thoughts towards each other. Yet if it is not each of us toward the other, it will, at all events, be through their appearance when they show themselves to us. Here Adam ended his prayer. So here it is. He's saying, Father, if you don't allow us to do this, they're going to come in the form of something else. And then I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to do it then. See? So he pleaded with the Most High. And he did his, his best to do that. Because he didn't know anything about this intercourse type of thing right at this point, brothers and sisters. Satan showed it to him, introduced it to him. Just like when you was 13, when you was 14, you was 15. You didn't know what was going on. You don't know where things go. 
you don't even know why your body is is reacting that way until somewhere you probably see something. You go on the internet or you get the the hygiene class where they tell you about intercourse and all that stuff. See, that's why you're not going to teach my kids about, listen, you teach arithmetic history. That's what you teach. You leave that to me. You're not going to teach my sons or daughters about sex. That's not your place. But that's what they do, brothers and sisters. They want to start introducing stuff to your children. Not going to happen. We just wanted to show you how Satan operates using this method, brothers and sisters. And that's through the sight. If you can control your sight, then you've already taken down one. One of his methods, one of his strongest methods. It begins with the sight and then it goes to your mind. And your mind is your heart in the Bible, brothers and sisters. It's the same exact thing. So once your eyes see it, now your mind is convoluted, brothers and sisters. See? So we had to go into the minutia, brothers and sisters, which is what? The small details of how sight affects your mind, according to the Bible, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to James 1 and 14, Brother Joshua. James 1 verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So temptation comes from our own sinful desires, brothers and sisters. See? So James tells us to own up to that desire to sin. Are you seeing that, brothers and sisters? I can't be tempted with the same thing another brother is tempted with. Because what tempts me may not tempt that brother. Are you seeing this? You can only be tempted with things you really want to do. Can you read that one more time, brother? James 1, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when the lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See? So James tells us to own up to that desire to sin, brothers and sisters. We need to hold ourselves responsible. Temptations vary according to the weaknesses of each person. See? So this is why we're going through this lesson, brothers and sisters. Because everyone's weakness is different. One brother may have a problem with alcohol, so he can't really be around people that drink. For me, personally, I could be around somebody drinking. I won't take a taste of it, brothers and sisters. But that's not what tempts me, brothers and sisters. Now you since you, you sit me around some 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 Swiss rolls or something like that, some ho, little debbies, then that may. But but that's me, brothers and sisters. So it's different for each of us, and I'm just being a little facetious and you know. But seriously, brothers and sisters, each man or woman is tempted by something different, brothers and sisters. Let's read fourteen and fifteen one more time, brother. Please, James one verse fourteen. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. See? <clears throat> so first you have the sight, and then the lust comes. And once the lust have set in, it brings forth that sin. And what happens when sin is finished? Death. So it shows you the progression. And it starts with your sight. Brothers and sisters, it starts with your sight. So you have to be able to control that, brothers. 
Even though you're following the law about eating the clean foods, not operating on the Sabbath, can you keep your eyes in your head? Or do you got googly eyes? Do you have a wandering eye, brother? And if you do, that's the next thing you work on. You work on that. Because we can't blame a sister for having her behind out. She can do what she want to do, but we can blame you for looking at it. Because that's how the Most High going to operate. Now, she'll be judged also, but not by you. So it doesn't matter what a sister is doing. What are you going to do about it? We have to be able to operate like that. Unfortunately, we're living in Babylon where sisters are wearing almost nothing. I mean, you know, they're almost wearing nothing. And then they expect a brother to walk around and, you know, <laughs> be a righteous man. And unfortunately, that's too much for a lot of people, brothers and sisters. But for men of God, people who want to serve the Most High God, you work on that, brothers and sisters. You work on that. Never look twice. Never look twice and never look at it. I mean, I can't tell a brother what to do, but, you know, looking at women's buttocks and all this stuff. I mean, I just don't see how anything good can come from that, brothers and sisters. I really don't. Brother Joshua, let's go to Ecclesiasticus 18 and 20, because it said everyone's temptation varies according to their weakness, brothers and sisters. Exodus, excuse me, <laughs> Ecclesiasticus 18 and 20. Ecclesiasticus 18 and verse 20. Before judgment examine thyself. What did that say? Before judgment examine thyself. And in the day of visitation thou shalt find mercy. It said before judgment day you better examine yourself. So use self-examination for spiritual reformation. Brothers and sisters, we are to look inward to see how we measure against the scriptures. That's why James said, when a man is driven away by his own desires, that's when the temptation comes. That's why he's telling you here, examine yourself, find out what your temptations are, find out what your weaknesses are. That way you can stay away from that. See? Some brothers are rehabilitated from smoking marijuana. So if they even see a video of somebody smoking marijuana on TV, then that thing crave up in them, brothers and sisters. And now they got to go to the reefer store. This is how Satan works. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 20. Before judgment examine thyself, and that a day of visitation thou shalt find mercy. So we should regularly engage in self-examination so that we grow in self-awareness, brothers and sisters. So self-examination and reflection are essential for spiritual growth, brothers and sisters. Not only growth, but protection, brothers and sisters. So those who've followed our church know this is our main focus here. You know, outside of telling another brother or sister what to do, we have to be examining ourselves, brothers and sisters. Because when you're uh, when you're by yourself, only you know what the temptations are that can get you. Only you know. This go for sisters too, because I know a lot of brothers think, oh, well, well, uh, you know, only men deal with temptation. How foolish of a statement. How foolish of a statement. Especially when it comes to the fornication and stuff. The Bible tells you women are overcome by fornication more than men. That's in the Bible, brothers and sisters. So sisters can be tempted also with dudes, you know, showing pectorals, mectorals, chests all hanging out, all this, all online. Don't think that a sister is above, you know, this type of thing either. So we all have to work together, brothers and sisters. 
We all have to work together here. Let's go to Proverbs, brother. 21 and 16. Proverbs 21, verse 16. What does that say, brother Joshua? Proverbs 21, verse 16. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Read that one more time. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. The key part it says wandereth out of the way of understanding. So we ordinarily do not deliberately plan to go astray, brothers and sisters. That's not deliberate. There's usually no deliberate intention to sin, brothers and sisters. But listen, regardless of the intention, the result is the same. So this proverb is given as a warning, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 16. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. See, he's telling you, if you leave the truth, once you have it already, it's likely you will never make it back. You will never make it back. That's why it says if you wander out of the way, that means you have to be in it first. You shall remain in the congregation of the dead, brothers and sisters. So this is why we went into this. Because people don't purposely go off. The Most High is telling you, usually Satan will have you just wander off. That's what sheep do. They just wander off, brothers and sisters. And we're going to show you, we're going to use the Bible to show you what can cause a man or woman to wander off, brothers and sisters. What does Satan use? Now, brothers and sisters, we have first dealt with Satan's method of the sense of our sight, brothers and sisters. Through the senses of our sight, Lucifer looks to tempt us. So that's the first thing. And that the sight is applicable to men and women, brothers and sisters. And now we're going to deal with the men. What specifically uh, does Satan use against men? Now, of course, some of these things, what we're getting ready to read, is applicable to women. But specifically men, there's a couple of things that he used against men. So first we're going to go into the 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 uh, methods that Satan used against men, and then we're going to go into the method he uses against our sisters, against women, brothers and sisters. So here we are. We've moved from the sight, and guess what? The sight is how fornication gets in, the spirit of fornication. That's what Satan used against men. He used the power of fornication, brothers and sisters. We're going to go into the book of the Twelve Patriarchs. Each one of our forefathers of the twelve tribes, brothers and sisters, the sons of Jacob, had a testament before Moses, brothers and sisters. We still had records that we learned from before Moses wrote down the law. So Reuben had his own record. Judah had his own record. Zebulun had his own record. Benjamin had his own record, brothers and sisters. And we're going to go into the twelve patriarchs. Um, these are the records that our forefathers wrote for us. To say, these are the things I fell to, son. These are the things I fell to, daughter. Be aware of this. So we're going to the Testament of Reuben, brothers and sisters. We're going to the Testament of Reuben, chapter 2, verse 20. <coughs> verse 20. Beware, therefore, of fornication. And if you wish to be pure in mind, guard your senses from every woman. What did our forefather Reuben say, brother? Beware, therefore, of fornication. 
And if you wish to be pure in mind, guard your senses from every woman. Now that's key. He said, if you want to be clear, you must guard your senses. Why? Because it's the stimulation that comes with your senses that act as a precursor to the action. Brothers and sisters. See? He said, guard your senses from every woman. Okay? So always be alert and aware of the power of a woman. Don't ever, don't ever disregard the power of a woman. Men need to understand that. A woman's power is not physical. It's mental. The power of a woman. You remember when you were in school, that girl come in, the, the, the cute girl come into your class. All the guys are now comedians now. Everyone's tough now. Which she come into the gym and now you, you're Michael Jordan now. See, that's the power of a woman. And Reuben understood it. That's why he said, what did he say, brother? Verse 20. Beware, therefore, of fornication. And if you wish to be pure in mind, guard your senses from every woman. Guard your senses from every woman, brothers and sisters. And those who do not will not see eternal life. So you don't just operate. The Bible tell you about just hanging out with women like that. You don't, if you're a man, you shouldn't be hanging out with women like that, unless they're related to you or to your woman. But just being a bunch around a bunch of women, that's not good. Because that's how that spirit get on you. That's how that lust get on you, because you're spending a lot of time within their presence like that. And usually where I'm from, brothers don't be hanging all out with sisters like that, unless he's a homosexual. But Reuben is telling us, beware of fornication. And if you wish to be pure in mind, guard yourself. Guard yourself. See? Respect the power of a woman, brothers and sisters. Let's go to First Ezra's, brother, to show you this power of a woman. Let's go back to the Apocrypha. We're going to go to First Ezra's 4 and let's see. Let's go to First Ezra's 4 and 26. We'll read 26 and 27, brother Joshua. First Edris 4, verse 26. Yeah, many there be that have run out of their wits for women. Read that one more time, brother. Yeah, many there be that have run out of their wits for women and become servants for their sakes. And have what? And have become servants for their sakes. Many also have perished, have erred, and sinned for women. Mm. And now do ye not believe me? Read, read that from the top, brother. What was that? 26, actually. Listen closely, brothers. First Edges 4, verse 26. Yeah, many there be that have run out of their wits for women and become servants of their sakes. Look at that. Become servants of women. They've gone crazy over a woman. So the Bible tells you many men have sacrificed their ethical values to satisfy a woman. Brothers and sisters, how do we know? What's 27 say, brother? Verse 27, many also have perished, have erred, and sinned for women. See, so only a fool would be ignorant to the power of a woman's influence. Many have perished, they've erred, they've sinned for women. Brothers understand that. I've had brothers tell me, you know, well, she's just so fine. If, she, if I don't do it, she'll get somebody else. Well, hey, you better get somebody else then. Better get somebody else because I'm not going to go against my God because you think you're fine. There's a lot of fine people out there, brothers and sisters. God created a lot of men and women. 
And if you have to compromise yourself because this woman is just so fine for you, you can't handle that woman. Because she's going to run, <laughs> run you loose. Some men run their house. Some men run around their house, brothers and sisters. And it's telling you the power of a woman. Many have perished, erred, and sinned, brothers and sisters. So we want our brothers to never ignore the powerful potential of a woman's influence. Brother Joshua, let's go back to the Testament of Reuben. We're going to read uh, Testament of Reuben, chapter 2. Uh, let's read verse 1, brother. Testament of Reuben, chapter 2, verse 1. Pay no heed, therefore, my children. What did that say, brother? Pay no heed, therefore, my children, to the beauty of women. To what? To the beauty of women, nor set your mind on their affairs, but walk in singleness of heart in the fear of the Lord, and expend labor on good works, and on study, and on your flocks, until the Lord give you a wife. Until what? Until the Lord give you a wife, whom he will that ye suffer not as I did. Now, I need you to listen closely. What is the first thing he said, brother? Pay no heed. Therefore, my children, to the beauty of women. Bingo, see? He understands through the sight, brothers and sisters. Beauty is what is delightful to the senses. We desire things that we deem beautiful, brothers and sisters. And our eyes awaken and stimulate our lust. So he's saying, don't be trying to just be looking all up in women's faces or at their behind. Don't pay attention to the beauty of a woman. See? And we can't be choosing a life partner based on somebody's shape. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, we all get old. People have ch children, everything. Even the brothers. Brothers get old too. So that would be so shallow, brothers and sisters. Because guess what? There may be a woman that, you know, they say is the most finest woman on earth. Is she fine enough to give you that headache? That's the thing, brothers and sisters. I don't care how fine somebody is. There's somebody tired of them. Whether that's a brother or a woman. So he's telling you, son, don't make decisions based on the beauty of a woman. Yes, every man wants a woman they're attracted to. But don't make your decision, a lifelong decision based on what a sister look like. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 1, pay no heed, therefore, my children, to the beauty of women, nor set your mind on their affairs, but walk in singleness of heart and the fear of the Lord, and expend labor on good works, and on study, and on your flocks, until the Lord give you a wife, whom he will, that you suffer not as I did. So we, so he makes it clear, brothers and sisters. Don't worry about that. Set your mind on the Most High. Fear the Most High and do good works. Do some work for the Most High in your study. You're worrying about a woman well before it's time. I'll bring you a woman when it's time. That's what he's saying, brothers and sisters. Now, we're bringing this up. Why? Because Satan uses the temptation of fornication. And avoiding sexual immorality is essential for believers. It's essential, brothers and sisters. To magnify that point, let's go to 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians. Um, let's go to chapter 6. 
and we'll read verse 18. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his whole body. Now, look at that, brothers and sisters. No. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Exactly. So look at that. Here he enunciates the difference between fornication and every other sin. He makes a distinction here, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Listen to what Brother Joshua's words are. Verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. See, so sexual immorality is unique, brothers and sisters, because it's a form of self-harm, brothers and sisters. This sin of all sin puts a brand of disgrace upon the body. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18, flee fornication. That's, the, that's it right there. Flee fornication. So, brothers and sisters... Most other sins we fight against. This one you don't fight. You flee. Don't conf don't <laughs> don't confuse yourself. All right. Don't trick yourself. He said, "Flee fornication, not fight it, brothers and sisters." Because I know brothers who put themselves in situations, you know, to try to prove, uh, you know, prove that they're loyal to their girl or something like that. I've seen it, even on these dating these uh shows, brothers and sisters. Where they go on these shows just to be tempted. <laughs> it's like, the most I said, flee fornication. Don't even hang around the sister or the brother. If those are the type of um, thoughts that come to your mind. See, brothers have to understand this. Flee it. Don't even hang around. Sisters, you know, wearing certain things all around, even though, you know, you may not be there for that. Hey, you know what? I, I, I got I to gotta go ahead and roll up out of here, you know. Sisters walking around with bathing suits on in the winter. You know? He's telling you, flee. We must fight against all other sins, but we must flee fornication, brothers and sisters. Now, let's go to the testament of Judah. Judah, the father of the Jews, he had a testament. And he delivered some information to the children of Israel. And we're going to check out what that information was, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to the Testament of Judah. Um, we'll go to the Testament of Judah, chapter 3, and verse 18. What does that say? Verse 18 and 19, Brother Joshua. Verse 18. He that committeth fornication is not aware when he suffers loss. What did that say, brother? He that committeth fornication is not aware when he suffers loss. And is not ashamed when put to dishonor. Now this is key. This is key brothers and sisters. Because the word fornication is considered to be obsolete. In the English language. Nonetheless the Most High has indignation towards that heinous act. You never hear that word fornication. Unless it's being biblically spoken. Brothers and sisters. You see it all the time. You never hear the word though. What does verse 18. Testament of Judah 3 and 18 say again. Verse 18, he that committeth fornication is not aware when he suffers loss, and is not ashamed when put to dishonor. 
For even though a man be a king and committeth fornication, he is stripped of his kingship by becoming the slave of fornication. By what? By becoming the slave of fornication, as I myself also suffered. Mm, Look at that. Fornication is the greatest and most direct dishonor and abuse of the body. And guess what? This sin is incredibly expensive. How do we know? What does verse 19 say again, brother? Verse 19. For even though a man be a king and committed fornication, he is stripped of his kingship by becoming the slave of fornication. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. See, that's the key. That's how an ex- that's how expensive it is. It's incredibly expensive. Because it's telling you, a brother may be the president. He may be a millionaire or a billionaire or a king, but he's still a servant to fornication. See? Your money or your status don't dictate that. See? Because you, you may think that, oh, because he's rich, he, he don't fall to that type of thing. He don't fall to fornication. Or because he's a king. Nah. See, it's telling you, no matter who you are or what your status is in life, fornication will trip you up. It can trip you up. And you can lose your kingship. See, brothers and sisters? Even the president, he have the ability to cheat on his wife, brothers and sisters. Even your your favorite football player and basketball player, they have the propensity or the proclivity to to you know to commit fornication against their wife if they're not following the Most High. It's showing you something here, brothers and sisters. I don't care whether you're a pastor or the owner of a football team. You're not above this that we're reading right here. Every man can fall to this, no matter how much affluence or money or influence he have. Brothers and sisters. And that's the key. Brother Joshua, let's go to the Testament of Reuben. Um, Go back to Reuben. The Testament of Reuben, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, brother. Testament of Reuben, 2 and 8. For many have fornication destroyed, because though a man be old or noble, or rich or poor, he bringeth reproach upon himself with the sons of men and derision of Belair. So that's that's another name for Satan, brothers and sisters. Read 7 one more time, brother. Verse 7. For a pit unto the soul of his... Verse 7. For a pit unto the soul is the sin of fornication. So the sin of fornication is a pit to the soul. Separating it from God and bringing it near... To idols, because it deceiveth the mind and understanding, and laid it down young men into hades before their time. Look at this, brothers and sisters. It's telling you, fornication bring you close to idolatry. It deceives your mind and leads you to hell, brothers and sisters. Are you seeing this? The illicit interaction of sexual genitalia between two persons devoid of a life covenant separate us from the glory of God. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 7. For a pit unto the soul is the sin of fornication, separating it it from God, and bringing it near to idols, because it deceiveth the mind and understanding, and laid it down young men into haze before their time. For many hath fornication destroyed, because, though a man be old or noble, or rich or poor, 
he bringeth reproach upon himself with the sons of men and derision with Belair. So Belair or Beliar, Beliar, brothers and sisters, is another name for Satan. But the key part it says, though a man be old or noble or rich or poor. See? Everyone get affected by fornication. No matter how old you are or how righteous you think you are or how rich or how poor, brothers and sisters. For you to disregard this type of temptation, it would be foolish, brothers and sisters. This would be foolish. Every man must be on guard. Sisters too. But every man must be on guard. Because it was many times that Satan used women to take us down. He had women come give themselves to us as prostitutes, brothers and sisters. Just to open us up to be destroyed. When you look at the Bible, the Moabites, who are the... You had the... Moab and Ammon, who are the Palestinians and the Jordanians, they sent their women over to our men. Their husbands sent them over on purpose to get us to break God's law, brothers and sisters. See? This is how Satan operates, brothers and sisters. I remember, um, I think it was in the Vietnam War. Um, one of their tactics was they gave... Um, these young prostitutes, I guess, these street walkers, diseases, and then they had them go sleep with the military soldiers of the U.S. The U.S. soldiers, they'll tell you, they were going over there getting prostitutes for cheap, brothers and sisters, over there in Vietnam during the war. And the Vietnam War or the Vietnam Army had given these women diseases or, or knew they already had these diseases. Go ahead over there. Give them all type of STDs now. See? This is how Satan operates, brothers and sisters. This is how Satan operates. And what we're learning is the act of fornication is a destructive pathogen that dismantles a person's spiritual power. Brothers and sisters. Brother Joshua, let's go to the Old Testament here. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes. Let's Follow us here, brothers and sisters. I know we had a lot of precepts here, but you're learning your enemy right now. We're going to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 26. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, her hands is bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Read that first part again, brother. Verse 26, and I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets. See, right there. The woman, it tells you like a woman who have her heart set on entrapping a man is worse than death, brothers and sisters. So Solomon understood that a woman could be a danger and a trap. And to be ensnared, excuse me, to be ensnared by a cunning woman is worse than death. See? Could you read that one more time, brother? Verse 26. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands is bands. Now that's key. It says snares, nets, and bands. That shows the many ways the promiscuous woman has to ensnare a man. See? Whoso pleaseth, pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Now that's key. Because there's nothing that have enriched hell more than harlots, brothers and sisters. See? 
That's what Satan used. He used harlots to men who are not strong enough to stand against that. And it's usually through the eyes, brothers and sisters. We're just showing you, what does he use against men? These are the things he used against men. Fornication. Women. Not all women. There's a lot of good sisters out there. But every man is not strong enough for a woman. Until you're able to stand on what's right. And if it goes against what the Most High is saying, say, well, hold on, wife or, or babe. Or, you know, uh, My commitment to God come first. I can't do that. And she may have an attitude for, for a day or two, but so be it. If you have to cave to what you want, even when you know it's against the Most High God, you're ill-equipped to be able to be in a relationship with a woman at this time. And Satan will use her. Satan will use her because you're not strong enough. So we have to understand this, brothers and sisters. Now, we dealt with the fornication. We also dealt with the sense of sight, brothers and sisters. Next, what does he use against men? Brothers and sisters, follow us to Ecclesiasticus 19 and 1. Why? Because one of Satan's tactics is not only fornication through the sight of the eyes, but drunkenness and drug abuse. This is something that Satan used against men on a daily basis, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus 19 verse 1. A laboring man that A is given to drunkenness shall not be rich. Shall what? Shall not be rich. And he that contemneth small things shall fall by little and little. Little and little. Little by little, excuse me. So it's telling you what, brothers and sisters, poverty and addiction are interlinked. It says a laboring man that's given to drunkenness shall not be rich. Laboring means he is working. <laughs> See? So indulgence to any addiction has increasingly detrimental consequences. And we're reading it here, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 1. A laboring man that A is given to drunkenness shall not be rich. See? And he that contemneth small things shall fall by little and little. So that's the key. You start overlooking things and little by little you, you get broken down. And it starts off with looking at drunkenness and getting high and all these things as, well, I could stop when I want to. Could you? Well, let's try it out. Try it out. Stop doing whatever you're doing for six months. <laughs> See? So becoming a virtual slave to the addiction as it increasingly controls your life. A laboring man given to drunkenness shall be poor, brothers and sisters. And Ecclesiasticus shows us that poverty and substance abuse tend to exist in tandem, brothers and sisters. And no, lo and behold, what? Now they're making marijuana, uh, you know, just legally. Well, you can pretty much go to a gas station and get some marijuana, brothers and sisters. Why? Why would they be trying to do that? Hmm? Exactly. Because you got people out there uh, addicted to marijuana, addicted to liquor. Nobody's in their right mind. Nobody's sober, brothers and sisters. So listen, at this point, you have to be able to walk away from these, these drugs, brothers and sisters. Even though I know that marijuana is legal in America and stuff like that. At some point, through your growth, the most high going to have you step away from that. Now, I can't tell a man what to do in regards to that. I know it's nothing godly about it. 
<laughs> I know that. I know if you try to come to me and, you know, your mom or your dad or somebody, you try to teach them about the Bible and you got a blunt in your mouth, I'm pretty sure they're not going to listen. So listen, understand. Tighten it up. Speak with the Most High. When the Most High say cut, cut, brothers and sisters. And if you can't cut it, then there's a problem. There's a problem. Now, you can make any excuse in the world for why you're getting drunk, you know, or why you're getting high. Because I've heard it all. <laughs> they say, I mean, you have NFL players saying, well, yeah, they're doing it for pain. I'm like, okay, brother. are you? So, so you're smoking marijuana for pain? That's the only reason you're smoking it. You're not smoking it, you know. <laughs> you're not smoking it for, you know, how it affects your mind. Just the pain, right? Exactly. Because most people are not smoking it for pain. They're smoking it um, to have their their mindset changed, brothers and sisters, and their pineal gland opened. So you can excuse it and say you're doing it for whatever reason you want to, but the most I know the truth. Because if that's the case, then, you know, get the weed that don't get you high. Because I got some marijuanas out there, from my knowledge, I've never had it, but from my knowledge, that is just for pain where it don't give you the elevation of mind. It don't even change your mind state. It just gives you the pain, uh, you know, the pain part. So understand, if you're battling that, brothers and sisters, if you're addicted to weed, you're addicted to drinking, you will never be rich. Because that's what the Bible said. I've heard brothers say, well, as soon as I get up in the morning, I got to uh, put, a, put, a, put a J in the air. What they call it, uh, they, the, the brother called it wake and bake. <laughs> as soon as I wake up, I got to get baked. I'm like, what? What? Brother. This is what's going on, brothers and sisters. Where as soon as a person get up, the first thing they got to do is get zooted out of their mind. You're never going to be rich. You're never going to be rich. Read that one more time, brother, please. Ecclesiastic is 19, verse 1. A laboring man that A is given to drunkenness shall not be rich, and he that contemneth small things shall fall by little and little. Now that's key. So we're showing you, it's not just drunkenness. It's all inebriation, brothers and sisters. Anything that alters your mind is what we're dealing with now. Because you got cocaine, you got marijuana, you got... Uh, drunkenness, alcohol, wine, anything that changes your inebriation or your mind state, brothers and sisters. You have to be careful with that. You have to be very careful because these are the things that Satan uses against a man. He uses fornication, the desire for fornication. He uses women and he uses inebriation. Mind-altering Mind altering drugs, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 21 and 7, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 21, verse 7. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. Excuse me, uh, Proverbs 21 and 17, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 21, verse 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. What did that say? He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. 
He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Shall what? Shall not be rich. The pursuit of pleasure leads to ruin. Brothers and sisters. That's the key. If the only thing you desire is to fulfill your pleasures, you will be a poor man. Not only financially, but spiritually. Brothers and sisters. Because you're addicted to you're addicted to pleasure. You have to be careful with that. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 17. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. So the inability to deny pleasure ushers in immorality, brothers and sisters. The pervasive and insidious pursuit of pleasure becomes unto us as another slave master, brothers and sisters. Because you're just looking for pleasure. Whether that pleasure in being getting drunk, getting high, watching porn for, uh, for, uh, porn, pornographic, you know, stuff. Pleasure. See? Stimulation. See? He's telling you, don't chase that. If you chase that, you're going to fall. You're looking for everything that pleasures you. You have to be able to know something that you struggle with or pleasures you and say no and deny it. Brothers and sisters, you have to be able to do that. Every man and woman. Be able to deny what you find pleasant. Brothers and sisters. <sighs> Let's go to Isaiah 5 and 11, brother. Isaiah 5, verse 11. Isaiah 5, verse 11. Woe well, one of them that rise up early in the morning... That they may follow strong drink. That what? That they may follow strong drink. That continue until night. To wine and flame them. This is a picture of a self-indulgence and pleasure seeker. Brothers and sisters. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning. That they may follow strong drink. That continue until night. To wine and flame them. So this scripture indicates a habitual state of intemperance, brothers and sisters. It said, rise up early in the morning that you can have strong drink and then continue until night, until you're inflamed. So that means you're drunk. <laughs> See? So to spend the day in pursuit of pleasure is criminal, brothers and sisters. First thing on your mind when you get up is wake and bake. <laughs> or, you know... Uh, being drunk at lunch. You, there's an issue there. There's a problem. Satan's going to take you down. He's going to take you down, brothers and sisters. Carnal stimulation is a destructive addiction, brothers and sisters. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning and have strong drink and then continue to the night until they're fully drunk. This is a problem, brothers and sisters. These are what Satan used against men. So we've dealt with how lust gets into the heart through the eyes. We've dealt with fornication, brothers and sisters. How Satan uses the allure of fornication to subdue a man. And now what we're reading is how he will utilize wine and other pharmaceuticals to do what? To take away your mind, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Proverbs 20 and 1. Chapter 20, verse 1. Please follow with brothers and sisters. Proverbs 20, verse 1. 
Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Read that one more time. Wine is a mocker. To mock someone is to ridicule or make a fool out of them. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And whosoever what, brother? Is deceived thereby is not wise. Look at that. So if you drink without sober fear, brothers and sisters, for the dangers of alcohol, you are a fool. See? Look at the power of wine here. Could you read that again? Verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. See, if you're deceived by it, you're not wise. Why? Because alcohol is the most commonly used mind-altering substance. Brothers and sisters, the inordinate use of alcohol renders men boisterous, no longer masters of themselves, no longer restrained by law. Brothers and sisters, how many times you've seen somebody drunk make a fool out of themselves, brothers and sisters? And then you show them a video the next day. They're like, what? I did that? Yeah. Just telling you, wine will make a fool out of you. It's a mocker. You have to respect the power of wine. You have to respect that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 19 and 2, and then we're going to move on to the next method Satan uses to subdue a man. See here, we're going to Ecclesiasticus 19 and 2. Ecclesiasticus 19, verse 2. Wine and women will make men of understanding to fall away. What did that say, brother? Wine and women will make a man of understanding to fall away. And he that cleaveth to harlots will become impudent. What we're reading here is a moral truth applicable to all times. Listen to this closely, brothers and sisters. Wine and women will make men of understanding to fall away. Wine and women will make men of understanding fall away. So man is born with vulnerabilities, brothers and sisters. Wine and women is a dangerous combination. Dangerous. And these fleshly lusts war one against another, brothers and sisters. See? So especially when there's women around and a brother's getting drunk, he's having drinks and all that. You 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 close to that edge, brother. You close to that edge. Because wine takes away the mind of a man, especially when there's women involved. See, this is what Satan used. How many times you heard a brother say, Well, you know, telling his girlfriend the night after, uh, well, I was drunk, I really didn't know what I was doing. How many times have we heard that, brothers and sisters? Sisters, how many times have you heard that from a brother? Even sisters, sisters come back and say the same thing today, man. Being drunk in the presence of the opposite sex when it's not your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend, you're in a dangerous position. You're in a very dangerous position. Now, if you with the boys, then you with the boys. If you if the girls is with the girls, then you know, still you gotta be careful. But those two together is a dangerous combination, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 2. Wine and women will make men of understanding to fall away. And he that cleaveth to harlots will become impudent. So illicit sex and drink dull our minds. 
preventing us from thinking straightly, brothers and sisters. This is what Satan used, wine and women. In conjunction, you are in a heap of trouble. You're in a heap of trouble, brothers and sisters. All right. So what have we done? We've shown how Satan will utilize wine and other mind-altering substances against men. We've also shown how he will use fornication to subdue a man. And how will he do these things? Through the sense of the eyes, brothers and sisters. Now we're going to go to our last method that Satan uses for men. What will he use against men? He uses fornication or sex. He uses drugs and alcohol. And he uses money, brothers and sisters. That's the triangle right there. That right there is a hat trick right there. And you get those three, you're dangerous, brother. You're in a dangerous position. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6 and 10. Because we want our brothers and sisters to be able to see the devil coming. How he's going to attack me. How he's going to attack you. How he's going to attack us. These are the ways he come at a man. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. They what? They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So notice that the desire to be rich does not produce just one desire, but many. Read that one more time, brethren. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. All evil. Which while some coveted after... They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now that's key. Because greed can enhance and amplify the temptation of any other sin. Brothers and sisters. The fleshly desire to acquire riches causes us to compromise righteousness. Are you seeing this? This is what he used. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. They've erred from the faith. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It show you that having money or chasing money bring more problems on you. Heavier problems, brothers and sisters. That sometimes your brokenness have saved you from. Because guess what? If a brother have a, a, a cocaine addiction, but yet he working at McDonald's, so he only getting $7 an hour, then there's only but so far he can go. What if that man is a millionaire and he have a cocaine addiction or a drinking addiction? See? It tell you they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. So a lot of times, brothers and sisters, your lack of money has saved your life. It saved your life. So right here we're reading Paul is warning that the lust for riches causes us to wander away from the faith. Brothers and sisters. This is what he uses against men. Let's go to the testament of Judah. Brother Joshua. Let's see what do we have here. Testament of Judah. Which is our forefather. The forefather Judah. Which was where David came from. David was a Jew. Christ was a Jew. So the first Jew. Brothers and sisters. The first Jew was Judah. 
Let's see. Let's go to Judah. Testament of Judah, that is. Chapter 3. We're going to read verse 37 and 38. Verse 37. Beware, therefore, my children, of fornication and the love of money, and hearken to Judah your father. Now hold on. He's telling the children of Judah's predominantly black men here. He's saying, now this is for all Israelites, but specifically for Judah. Beware of fornication and the love of money. Now that's key because what are the things black men in specific fall to the most? Only thing you got to do is look at the hip hop music, brothers and sisters. What is the hip hop music about? What do you see? You see women bouncing and jiggling around. And brothers throwing dollars. Standing on top of Lamborghinis. So don't tell me Judah, our forefather, didn't know what he was talking about. Read 37 one more time, brother. Verse 37. Beware, therefore, my children of fornication and the love of money. And hearken to Judah, your father. Jump to verse 42, brother. My children, the love of money leadeth to... Adultery. Because now look at this. He's saying the love of money is going to lead to idolatry, brothers and sisters. Idolatry is one of the multiplicity of desires that flow from the lust of riches. Brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 42. My children, the love of money leadeth to adultery. Because when led astray through money, men name as gods those who are not gods. And it caused him who hath it to fall into madness. See? So you can't love God and money, brothers and sisters. The problem with money is that it demands our allegiance, even our love, and therefore many compromise for it, brothers and sisters. Money leadeth to idolatry, brothers and sisters. So he's telling you, brothers, for the money. For the addiction, for the women, for the fornication. These things Satan will use to compromise you. These are the things that he's going to use to compromise you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 28 and 22. Proverbs chapter 28 and 22. Because we're dealing with the, the love of money. Proverbs 28 verse 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. And consider not that poverty shall come upon him. So, according to this literature here, brothers and sisters, greed distorts a person's ability to see reality clearly. Could you read that again? Verse 22. He that hastes to be rich hath an evil eye. Now that's key, because a haste to be rich is a consequence of having an evil eye. And consider not that poverty shall come upon him. See? So this restless pursuit results in unhappiness, brothers and sisters. Money is usually attracted, not pursued, brothers and sisters. See, you do right by the Most High, follow Him. He'll have the money come find you, brothers and sisters. You don't chase money, brothers and sisters. You chase money, you end up in trouble. I'm going to show you. Let's go to Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, Brother Joshua. 23. Yes. Proverbs 23, verse 4. 
Labor not to be rich. Seize from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves make themselves wings. For what? For riches certainly make themselves wings. Then fly they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Look at that. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The desire for wealth fixes a man's thoughts upon himself. So what did verse four say again, brother? Labor not to be rich. That's the key. Solomon condemned such a goal due to the temporary nature of wealth, brothers and sisters. We don't work to be rich. You don't do that, brothers and sisters. Seize from thine own wisdom. Do what? Seize from thine own wisdom. What thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. He's saying don't make decisions based on money. Brothers and sisters, financial success as a goal is very dangerous and deceitful because why it magnifies the elusive nature of riches. It tell you that riches certainly get themselves wings and fly away. See, so riches are as unstable as a bird of the air. Brothers and sisters, don't chase that. You do what's right. Be where he wants you to be and he will give you the things that you want or things that you need. Within reason. Never make a decision solely on money. Brothers and sisters. Because it's almost always the wrong choice. Don't labor to be rich. We're not working to be rich. I just need to be comfortable. I don't need to be rich. I don't want to be poor either. I want to have enough to live comfortably. That's in Proverbs too. That's in Proverbs where where they, where it was said, you know... Father, I don't want to be rich because then I may become arrogant and not listen to you. I also don't want to be poor because then I may have to break your laws and steal food or things like that. See, that's maturity where I just need to be comfortable, Father. I don't need to have a, a billion dollars. And if you choose to give me a billion dollars, then of course I'll take it. But I'm not laboring to be rich. Some people are trying to get three, four, five jobs just to get more money. It's like... Brother, do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? You don't need to have three, four, five jobs. You need to operate with the money you're making wisely. Because while you got 62 jobs and working 82 hours a week, where's the most highest time? Where's the time dedicated to your studies? See? Let's go to... Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 26 and 4. We got one more scripture in regards to our money. And then we have to move on to what Satan uses against our sisters. We're going to Ecclesiastic, uh, excuse me, Ecclesiasticus 26 verse 4. Ecclesiasticus 26 verse 4. Whether a man be rich or poor, if he have a good heart toward the Lord. He shall at all times rejoice with a cheerful countenance. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. Whether a man be rich or poor, if he have a good heart toward the Lord, he shall at all times rejoice with a cheerful countenance. If money can change your mood, your behavior is idolatrous. Whether I have the money or I don't, doesn't change how I act. We should be placing the highest value on pleasing the most high, not how much money you have in your bank account. See? Bible's telling you, whether a man be rich or poor, if he have a good heart, then he'll be rejoicing 
He'll be happy even if he don't have money. You won't know if the brother got money or not. See? If you're not having money, make you depressed. Make you angry and sad. You need to re-examine your life. You really need to re-examine your life. We're going to go to the Testament of Judah, chapter 3, verse 30. And then we're going to move on to our sisters. The Testament of Judah, chapter 3, verse 30 and 31, in regards to the power of money. Testament of Judah, chapter 3, verse 30. And now I command you, my children, not to love money. Not to what? Not to love money. Nor to gaze upon the beauty of women. Here it is again. So here he is. He's talking about the money and the women. Obviously, our father Judah understood this. Not to chase money. Don't love money. And don't look at women for their beauty. Because for the sake of money and beauty, I was led astray to Bathsheba the Canaanite. Now look at this. Here it is. Our forefather is telling you, brothers and sisters, never Never love money and never look at a woman for her beauty. Because these same things I was led astray. Verse 31. For I know that because of these two things shall my race fall into wickedness. Mm. Read that again, brother. Verse 31. For I know that because of these two things shall my race fall into wickedness. See? So the path to hell is paved with the law of money and seduction of women. Sex and money, two pleasures unequaled in their power to seduce, especially to black men. All of Israel, but especially black men. He said, what did 31 say again? Verse 31. For I know that because of these two things shall my race fall into wickedness. See, so the quest for sex and money leads to destruction. Brothers and sisters, sex becomes lust. Which is about self. Money becomes greed. Which is about self. So this is the art of war. Brothers and sisters. We have now shown our brothers. What warfare looks like from the enemy. We have now seen it. These are the things he will use against our brothers. Now. Brothers and sisters. We have now. We went through the men. The art of war, we have shown how Satan, what tactics and tools, what methods he used to dismantle and destroy a man. But also, we have to we have to bring levity here. We have to have equity. What does Satan use against our sisters? There's something that he uses against women, all women. It's only one thing that he uses predominantly that works, brothers and sisters. And what is it? It's insecurity and the fear of rejection, brothers and sisters. Insecurity and the fear of rejection is what he used on women. And I want our sisters to sit back and listen to this. Because they can tell you, a sister can tell you the truth. Every woman have insecurities. Every girl have insecurities. I don't care how fine you think they are, brothers. Every woman have insecurities. Let's go back to Genesis, brothers, to show you the first woman and how Satan played on her insecurities. Um, let's read verse 2, brother. This is right where Eve is, um, is conversing with the serpent. Genesis 3, verse 2. 
And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth, doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Read that one more time, brother. Verse, read verse 5. Because check out how the enemy tempts her, brothers and sisters. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. And what? And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So look at that. What he's really saying is you're not enough. You need to be more, Eve. You must find a way to measure up. See? He's saying, listen, when you eat it, then your eyes will be open. You'll be more. You'll be like God's. See? So he was already making her believe she wasn't good enough the way she was. See? This is his continuing war on women, brothers and sisters. Insecurity is a struggle that countless women today can relate to. Insecurity has always been a part of girlhood. Read verse 5 again, brother, please. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. See, so he's already telling them, listen, you're not good enough. You need to know more. You need to be as a god. At this time, Eve has no problems. But he's, he's implemented his craftiness on her mind to make her believe she's missing something. She's not all that she can be. You need more knowledge, Eve. You need to be as God. You're not good enough right now. See? This is what he does. Well, no, no. You're not thin enough. You're not light enough. Your hair's not curly or straight enough. No. No. See? This is what he does. Same thing he did to Eve by pretty much making her believe she wasn't good enough. You need to eat this fruit so you can be as a God. Because right now, Adam, you're not enough for Adam right now. See? I'm going to show you, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Genesis 29 and 16 to show you how Satan has always worked on our sisters' insecurities. We're going to go to when our father, Jacob, had married two sisters. Rachel and Leah, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you what was going on in this relationship. We're going to read Genesis 29 and 16 through 26. Genesis 29 verse 16. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. So Laban, who we know our father was working for, had two daughters. The elder was Leah. And the younger was her, her young sister, Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Read that one more time, brother. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now that's key, because the Bible makes it a point to tell you that Leah really wasn't pleasing to the eyes. Okay? But Rachel, her, her younger sister, was beautiful and well-favored. See, the Bible made a point to say that. Why? Because Leah had a big insecurity in her life. That caused her to make big compromises. See, based on she believing her sister was more beautiful than her. Leah was tender eyes. She wasn't that pleasant on the eyes. She wasn't eye candy. 
but her sister was. Can you read that one more time, brother? Genesis 29, verse 16. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So he's now told her father, Laban, I will work seven years for your daughter because this is how it was. A man had to either work for his woman, the woman that he wanted, or he had to give a gift to the father. He had to give the father something. Why? Because you're now getting ready to take my daughter, who's a member of my family, who helps do the housely duties, and now you're going to take her. So she's a worker in my house. As my daughter, now you're going to take her out of my house. So I need to be compensated for that. So usually you would either work for the father. The father would have you come work for him for however long. Um, or you would give a gift to the father in exchange for his daughter. And guess what? It says seven years because according to the Bible, after seven years, it's called a year of jubilee. You have to forgive debt. So even when we had slaves or indentured servants, they couldn't work with you. They couldn't work for you past seven years because that's against the Bible. See, so when we had slavery here, if we would have knew that law, they couldn't they couldn't keep us slavery from generation to generation where I'm a slave. Then my son becomes a slave and his son becomes a slave. That's against the Bible. You have to forgive debt after seven years. That's where they get chapter seven. See, so they understood that, brothers and sisters. Chapter 7, bankruptcy. Well, when you file bankruptcy, chapter 7, they have to forgive your debt. <laughs> See, the Bible knew this in Genesis. I don't want to get off, you know, off on a tangent. Let's go back. Let me. Verse 18. <clears throat> and Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban, Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. See? So he stayed work for the father for seven years. He said he loved Rachel so much that it seemed like a week instead of seven years. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the palace, and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening, that he took Leah his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. Now that's his key. Because it said he gathered, Laban gathered all the men of, of the place, made a feast. And when it came in the evening, he did what, brother? And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger daughter before the firstborn. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. He worked seven years for Rachel. But on the night of, the father 
in his craftiness, sent him Leah. And according to the Bible, when you lay down with a woman, you now are obligated to provide for her, to protect her, and treat her like your wife. See? So now, here it is. He didn't want Leah, the father, probably feeling bad for her, or whatever the case may be, sends her in. They consummate the marriage. Jacob wakes up in the morning like, what? I mean, what is this? I served you for Rachel, and you tricked me. And what did the father say? Well, hey, you know, in our country, we can't, set, we can't, um, you know, we can't give the younger daughter before the elder. See? So now you're seeing something here. Already, the insecurity is taking place because Leah understood already that he didn't want her. He wanted Rachel. But see, this is what we do sometimes. We say, well, listen, after, after we sleep together, he'll like me. He'll like me after that. See, so her insecurity already made her compromise to go lay down with the man that she knew didn't want her. See, it's the insecurity that's working. Let us show you. Let's go further. Jump to verse 30, brother. Genesis 29, verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. And served with him yet seven other years. So what did he do? He worked another seven years for Rachel, the one that he initially wanted, brothers and sisters. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated. Read 30 one more time, please, brother. Verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Ra and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Now this is key. <laughs> I could teach you all day on this point here. When the Most High saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. When the Most High see that people hate you, he'll bless you, brothers and sisters. He'll bless you right in their face. Just wanted you to see that. When people don't like you, but you're righteous, the Most High bless you right in their face. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Brothers and sisters, I need you to listen closely to Genesis 29 and 30. Genesis 29 verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. She said what? Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Now what? Now therefore my husband will love me. Now what, brother? Now therefore my husband will love me. Now hold on. Now my husband will love me. See? So she sees her children as a ticket to her husband's love. Are you seeing this, brothers and sisters? See? So this is what insecurity does. Now she's using the child to say, well, listen, if, if we have a child together, he'll love me. Don't, don't women do that? Well, if I have a child with him, he'll stay. See? This is what Satan does. He plays on our insecurities, sisters.
He plays on your insecurity. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 32. Verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son. And she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son. And said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Now, look at this, brothers and sisters. At this point, she's living with a man who didn't want her. And she knows he didn't want her. But what's, what's going on here? Leah was consumed with trying to prove she was worthy of Jacob's love. So she's having these children. See how insecurity shapes your decision-making, sisters? Read 33 one more time, brother. Verse 33. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I, had, I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Said what? Now this time my husband will be joined unto me. Said what? Now this time my husband will be joined unto me. Because I have borne him three sons. Because what? Because I have borne him three sons. See? So Leah tried to compensate for her insecurity by having children. Brothers and sisters. Are you seeing this, sisters? Are you seeing this? Think about it, sisters. Satan have... Satan have used insecurities against you, haven't he? And that insecurity, it shows out in a multitude of ways. Whether the sisters become overly, um, you know, overly free, so to speak. Free-spirited. They start wearing, revealing clothes or getting rainbow hair. All this stuff. Why? Because they're trying to cover an insecurity. They're trying to cover an insecurity. Then they become over-sexualized, showing their shape. These are the things that happens. Sisters, we can be real. We know. It's okay. We're just showing you. This is the art of war. Understand what Satan is going to use against you. Understand what Satan's going to use against you. Because here it is, our foremother, Leah, who was with a man who didn't want her, now wanted to have children just so he would love her. Are you seeing that? Read verse 35, brother, please. Verse 35. <clears throat> and she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. So something happened here. Something happened here when she got to Judah. She said, You know what? I'm just going to praise the Most High. I'm done. I'm done trying to Please, this man, I'm going to just serve my God. I'm going to just thank my God. Something changed in her at that point for a time. See? Let's go to Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 through 3. Look at what's going on with Rachel now. Genesis 30. <clears throat> and when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. She did what? She envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children. Or else I die. Now look at what's going on. <laughs> See what's going on brothers and sisters. Now she's envying her sister. Telling them give me children or I'm going to die. Look at how the insecurity. She's feeling like 
listen, he won't accept me unless I have these children. Why? Because I'm comparing myself with my sister. Rachel was the one that he wanted, that he worked 14 years for. The beautiful one. And she's still envying her sister to show you no matter how beautiful you are, how much love you have, Satan will use those insecurities against you. Look at it closely. Read that one more time, brother. Genesis 30, verse 1. And when Rachel saw that she was barren, that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? Now look at this. Her insecurity have now made an argument. Because Jacob's anger is now like, I mean, am I in God's stead? Am I, am I in God's place to give you a child? Did I make you bear it? See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. Now this argument. Now you have to remember, these are black people here. These are people of color. So this was not some quiet, <laughs> skip through the meadows relationship here. You have one man, two women who are sisters, both jealous, both envious, both insecure. And now Jacob's angry. He's like, listen, I didn't close up your womb. I didn't close your womb. Read one through three again, brother, please. Genesis 30 verse one. <coughs> and when Rachel saw that she was barren, that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. And said unto Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? And she said, And what, is, what did Rachel say now? Behold, my maid Bilah. Bilhah. Bilhah. Go in unto her. Do what? Go in unto her. And she shall bear upon my knees. That I may also have children by her. Now look at this. Now Rachel has manipulated the situation. See her insecurity have now made her give her husband another woman. Are you seeing this? This is how insecurity works. Now she's given, you know, one of the sisters that work for her. Like here, you know, she belonged to me. Take her and have children. And I'll just, you know, I'll just have children through her. Because she works for me. Are you seeing this, sisters? This is what insecurity does. Now she compromised herself in giving her, giving him her maid. See, insecurity is, is, is very dangerous. It's very dangerous, brothers and sisters. Because she was insecure that Leah was having children and she wasn't. She decided to give her maid to her husband and say, well, listen, lay down with her. She'll have babies, but it'll be through me. She'll be our surrogate. Okay? Jump to verse 8, brother. Please. Verse 8. And Rachel said, With great wrestling have I wrestled with my sister. Read that again. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. Now look at this. Rachel said, I, with great wrestling have I wrestled my sister. So they're both wrestling with insecurity, brothers and sisters. They're both wrestling with insecurity, and their insecurities have turned them into enemies. See? Here, this is two sisters. 
wrestling with insecurity and now become enemies. Leah has had a multitude of children. Rachel could not have children. So what did she have to do? She had to give her handmaid. She had to give her handmaid. We're just showing you, brothers and sisters, how insecurity plays. Here, you, here it is. You have Leah who's insecure because Jacob really didn't want her. She feels like her younger sister looks better than her. She's more beautiful, more pleasurable to the eyes. So now she wants to have all these children for a man who really didn't want her like that at that time. See? And she's doing this in order to have him love her. And then you have Rachel, the one he did want, insecure herself. Who gets in an argument with Jacob because she's not pregnant. To the point where she gave her maid to her husband and said, well, listen, husband, sleep with her. Okay? Because I can't give you children and she belongs to me. So she'll just be the surrogate for you and I. You know that's insecure when you give, another, when you give your man to another woman. When you give a woman to your man, you know you're insecure. Here. Jump to verse 15, brother. Genesis 30, verse 15. Oh, excuse me. Uh, jump to verse 14, brother. Verse 14. And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field. Now, mandrakes, brothers and sisters, is a, uh, a, it's a fertility fruit according to during these times could you read that again verse 14 and reuben went in the and reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother leah then rachel said to leah give me i pray thee of thy son's mandrakes so leah's son reuben um he went to find some mandrakes which is a fertility fruit for his mother and his aunt comes and says, what, brother? Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? What did she say? Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? And wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight. For thy son's mandrake. So look at this. She's now saying, Leah's saying, well, listen, you've already taken my husband. Now you're trying to take my son's mandrakes. So what did Rachel say? Rachel said, if you give me these mandrakes, if you give me this fertility fruit, I'll allow you to sleep with him tonight. Look at what is going on here based on insecurities. Fear of rejection, brothers and sisters. They have now used this man like a pawn. She said, well, listen, give me the fertility fruit and I'll allow you to sleep with him tonight. Now, all of this have come through what? Insecurity, brothers and sisters. Insecurity was the real source of conflict between the sisters. How do we know? Read 15 one more time, please. Verse 15. And she said unto her, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? That's how you know right there. Because now she's saying to her sister, you've taken my husband. And what if thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore he shall lie with thee to, 
tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him, and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. See? So she came to him and said, Listen, I paid to have you tonight. I gave away, you know, Reuben's mandrakes to my sister. So you with me for the night. Now, all of this is going on, brothers and sisters. And it started with the insecurity of Leah, number one. To go in there and try to trick a man who really didn't want to marry her. That's number one, brothers and sisters. Now, the key is, guess who came out of the one he didn't want? <laughs> Judah, which was Christ. See, it's it's very funny, isn't it? The very one that he didn't want, that's where Christ came from, brothers and sisters. See? So you have the northern tribes, brothers and sisters, that came from mostly from Rachel and her handmaid. But then when you have those darker tribes, where did they come from? Exactly. To show you how, how the Most High operates sometimes. The one that he didn't want brought forth the Messiah. Now, we went into Rachel and Leah in regards to how they fussed and fought over Jacob based on their insecurities. We got one more we're going to go into. We're going to go into Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Sarai or Sarai at that time. There was something going on there where insecurities was come was was playing out there, you know, in, in almost a violent way between Hagar, Abraham, and his wife Sarah or Sarah uh, Sarai at this time. There was some insecurity going on there because why? We're just going to the sisters in the Bible to show you what Satan used against them. We're gonna go to the Book of Jasher. We're gonna go to the Book of Jasher. Follow us to Joshua. We're going to read chapter 16, 23 through 33, brothers and sisters. Joshua 16, verse 23. And Sarai, the daughter of Haran, Abraham's wife, was still barren in those days. She did not bear to Abraham either son or daughter. And when she saw that she bare no children, she took her handmaid, Hagar. She did what? She took her handmaid, Hagar. Whom Pharaoh had given her, and she gave her to Abraham, her husband, for a wife. Now look at this. Here the insecurity starts to show, brothers and sisters. Sarah, or Sarai, is barren. Years after the Most High had promised her and her husband a child. So at this point, she now, she loves Abraham so much, and she's so insecure she takes another woman. She takes her handmaid and gives her handmaid to her husband to sleep with. This is insecurity at its finest, brothers and sisters. Where you give a woman, a whole nother woman to your husband just so he'll accept you. See? What does verse 24 say again, brother, please? Verse 24. And when she saw that she bare no children, she took her handmaid Hagar, whom Pharaoh had given her, and she gave her to Abraham, her husband, for a wife. For Hagar learned all the ways of Sarai, as Sarai taught her. She was not in any way deficient in following her good ways. So here it is. 
Sarai or Sarai, she taught Hagar all the things that she would need to know in order to care for a child, you know, to serve Abraham. And Sarai said to Abraham. What verse, brother? Verse 26. Joshua 16 and 26. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold, here is my, my handmaid, Hagar. Go to her that she may bring forth upon my knees, that I may also obtain children through her. That what? That I may also obtain children through her. See? So she's saying, because she belongs to me, she can be a surrogate, and those children will be my children through her. Are you seeing this, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold, here is my handmaid Hagar. Go to her that she may bring forth upon my knees, that I may also obtain children through her. And at the end of ten years of Abraham's dwelling in the land of Canaan, which is the eighty-fifth year of Abraham's life, Sarai gave him Hagar unto him. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of his wife Sarai, and he took his handmaid Hagar and Abraham came to her and she conceived. So here it is. It said, Abraham hearkened unto the voice of his wife. Now here it is. The Most High did not tell Sarai, uh, Sarai or Sarah to give her handmaid to Abraham. But here it is. Abraham is listening to his wife. So he's like, okay, well, listen, you want me to sleep with her? Hey. <laughs> now you have men today. They're like, that's a dream. That's a dream. No, you a fool, brother. You a fool. Because we're about to look at the trouble that came through this triangle. Brothers and sisters, read 28 again, please. Verse 28. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of his wife, Sarai. And he took his handmaid, Hagar, and Abraham came to her and she conceived. And when Hagar saw that she had conceived, she rejoiced greatly. So here it is. Sarah have given Hagar to her husband, Abraham. And now Hagar is pregnant. And her mistress was despised in, in her eyes. Re, yeah, start at the beginning of 29, brother. Joshua 16, verse 29. And when Hagar saw that she had conceived, she rejoiced greatly. And her mistress was despised in her eyes. And she said within herself, This can only be thy and better before God than Sarai, my mistress. For all the days that my mistress has been with my Lord, she did not conceive. But me, the Lord has caused in so short a time to conceive by him. Now look at what's going on. Now things have changed. Now Hagar is looking at her, her looking at Sarah, who she worked for, saying, I must be closer to God than she is. Because I wasn't with her as long as Sarah. And I'm pregnant right now. Are you seeing this, brothers and sisters? She now have she now has dislike for Sarah. Because why? She's had a child by Abraham now. Are you seeing this? What's the next scripture say, brother? Verse 30. And when Sarai saw that Hagar had conceived by Abraham, Sarai was jealous of her handmaid. Sarah was what? Sarah was jealous of her handmaid. And Sarah said within herself, <clears throat> This is surely nothing else but that she must be better than I am. Now here it is again. Here comes the insecurity. It says that Sarah was jealous of her handmaid, the same handmaid she gave to her husband. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. 
The insecurity caused Sarah to what? Give another woman to her husband. And then when that other woman got pregnant, Sarah became jealous and said, well, listen, she must be better than me because God allowed her to have a child and not me. Read that one more time. Verse 30, brother. Verse 30. And when Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived by Abraham, Sarah was jealous of her handmaid. And Sarah said within herself. What did she say? This is surely nothing else but that she must be better than I am. That what? That she must be better than I am. And Sarah said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. For at the time when thou didst pray before the Lord for children, why didst thou not pray on my account, that the Lord should give me seed from thee? So now she's blaming Abraham. She's like, this is your fault, Abraham. Why, when you prayed to God for a child, you didn't pray that he would give the child to me, that you would bring the child through me? See, so all of this is coming now from the insecurity. She's the one who wanted Abraham to lay down with the sister. He did that, got the, the sister pregnant, and now Sarah is angry. Now Hagar doesn't like Sarah. Sarah doesn't like Hagar, and she's mad at Abraham for allowing her to even do it. Are you seeing this? And this all started through insecurity. Here, both women begin battling the fruits of jealousy and envy. Brothers and sisters, read that one more time, brother. 31. Jasher, 16, verse 31. And Sarai said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. For at the time when thou didst pray before the Lord for children, why didn't thou pray? Why didn't thou not pray on my account? that the Lord should give me seed from thee. And when I speak to Hagar in thy presence, she despises my words, because she has conceived, and thou wilt say nothing to her. May the Lord judge between me and thee for what thou hast done to me. See, so now she's angry. She's like, now Hagar won't even listen to me because she's had a child from you, and I haven't. So now here it is. There's infighting going on, brothers and sisters. Read. Verse 33. And Abraham said, and Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, thy handmaid is in thy hand. Do unto her as it may seem good in thine eyes. Do what? Do unto her as it may seem good in thine eyes. And Sarah afflicted her. And Hagar fled from her to the wilderness. So Sarah started to abuse Hagar. She started to afflict Hagar. And Hagar fled into the wilderness. Brothers and sisters. So are you seeing this? Are you seeing how Sarah lacked on her faith? The insecurity of her not able to bring forth children caused her to give another woman to her husband. And when that other woman got pregnant, which it was Sarah's plan, she became jealous and envious. She got mad at not only Hagar, but Abraham. Abraham said, well, listen, this is your handmaid. Do what you want. So she started to afflict Hagar. Hagar ran into the wilderness. Now, you have to realize that Isaac came through Sarah, the chosen seed. Ishmael came through Hagar. See? The Arabs. They came through the Ishmaelites. They came through Hagar. Sarah, the chosen seed, came through her, Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we wanted to show you, brothers and sisters, we wanted to show our sisters how the, the spirit of insecurity 
caused our sisters to do things that they wouldn't do normally. They compromised here. They, they compromised for the love of a man here. Because Satan made them believe that they were no longer good enough. And this is what he does to our sisters. Well, sister, your chest is not, you know, your chest is, is too flat. Your butt is too flat. You need to go get some, some stuff put up in your butt or, or put up in your chest, okay? You need to go get, you know, get some fake hair and put that in your hair, okay? You need to get some, some, some bleach for your skin. This is what happens. So much so that these sisters were willing, it's so insecure that they were willing to give another woman to their husband. For him to get pregnant. Insecurity will cause sisters to do things that is against themselves. Because there's an insecurity there. And you can usually look at a sister and how she carry herself, how she dress to know if there's insecurity there. See, in men, they pick up on this. These are the ones they go after. Especially men, you know, men who are dealing with the devil's work. They see the one that's promiscuous. They can see the one with the colorful hair. The one that wants the attention. That's the one. She, everything she's doing is to attract eyes. See, a man understand this. A man understand can see a sister and know she wants attention. See? So we just wanted to show our sisters what Satan uses against him. He uses insecurity brothers and sisters so we wanted to show our sisters we have to stop looking for security in all the wrong places we have to because that insecurity will make a fool out of you sister insecurity is from Satan himself and Satan wants us to believe that we have nothing to offer or what we do have to offer is not enough that we will be rejected we can't live up to the expectations of those around us Sisters, we cannot allow our insecurities to govern our actions. Today's lesson was the art of war, brothers and sisters. Well, we went into a plethora, we went into a myriad of scriptures to help our brothers and sisters identify the tactics of the enemy. We dealt with it from the man's perspective, with the money, with the drugs and drunkenness, with the fornication. We also dealt with it from our sister's perspective, with the insecurity, the spirit of insecurity that he uses to get our sisters to compromise themselves. I want all of our brothers and sisters to document the things that they've learned here and be on guard against the things that they learned here. Brothers and sisters, today's lesson. The art of war. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.